Welcome to the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm Max Brown, and my guest today is Eileen McDar. And she has been called the Hope Merchant, although she's also been put on earth for comic relief. And she's an internationally recognized speaker and a facilitator. She's an award-winning author with expertise in resiliency and leadership, which is what we're going to talk about today. And I'm super excited about that. Her articles have appeared in countless publications, and two of her seven books have been awarded national recognition. Eileen, I am just delighted that you could join me on the show. I'm thrilled, Max. Let's have a ball. I, I, I love it. I love it. And this new book, right? I mean, Burnout to Breakthrough, Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. Right. Why this message? Well, this is so interesting is that I've been studying resilience for almost 20 years mm-hmm. in addition to communication and leadership. Mm-hmm. And the last two, maybe three years, every time I was invited to speak about resilience, mm-hmm. it always was in the context of burnout. Mm-hmm. And when last, I guess it was last March, I keynoted the Association of Pharmacists, the Pharmacists Association. Mm-hmm. And when 5,000 pharmacists stand and applaud, mm-hmm. they're not applauding me. They were applauding the fact that what I got to talk about was using resilience to overcome burnout because they were feeling so burned out. And a few months later, the World Health Organization declared burnout to be an occupational hazard. Mm-hmm. And it's global. Mm-hmm. And I finally said, Eileen, you need to write this. You can't just keep talking about this. You need yeah. to write it. And what's interesting, Max, is I, I turned in the final manuscript in December, which mm-hmm. would be 2019. Two months later, look where we are. Mm-hmm. So this issue of burnout now is even a larger flame. It as is. people are trying to figure out how do I work from home? You know, how do I manage? You know, will I have a job tomorrow? If I'm in the healthcare profession, mm-hmm. oh, as we would say in Ireland, Lord love a duck, you know, what, what are we going to do here now, dear? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, th- th- there's so much to this. Mm-hmm. So it, unfortunately, it's the right book at the right time. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that you put it that way. It really is interesting you put it that way. What are you trying to convey in the message of the book? What I want to convey, believe it or not, is hope. Mm-hmm. That first off, I we can stand back and say, golly gee whiz, isn't this terrible? Mm-hmm. And look what the world has done to me. Look what the, I want people to see where they take some personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. I can't handle a pandemic. I cannot handle what's all going on on the, the social justice, though I do have some of my own ways in which I can take some sense of control or the political scene. But what I wanted people to do with this book mm-hmm. was really to look at where do I own some responsibility here? Because mm-hmm. this is not just something that was done unto you. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility here. And then what I my intention was to give them a process for breaking through mm-hmm. from burnout from burnout to breakthroughs so that they begin to build resilience. And to me, resilience is not just a crisis skill. It's a life skill. Boy, I think that's a really big point. I do. I I think that's a big point. This isn't just a a nice to know. It's a need to know because it is a life skill. It it is. And um, let me define resilience because my definition is very different than anything you pick up in other books. Please. I disagree with the dictionary. Mm -hmm. The dictionary, if I can kind of paraphrase Webster or whoever you go to, Mm -hmm. is that an object under stress, when the stress is relieved, it will go back to its original position. Mm -hmm. Or as people will tell me, well, it means to bounce back. 
bounce back, bounce back. Well, that's great if you're a piece of steel or you're a willow tree. It is not great for the human system. Max, you and I can't go back. There is no back. You and I are different today because of what happened yesterday. We might, might be subtle ways, but we're different. As someone said to me, so wise, Eileen, you cannot step in the same river twice. It has always moved on. And so my notion of resilience is to grow through challenge or opportunity so that you end up wiser, smarter, better on the other side. So it's all about growth. And when I say to grow through, what it really is about is energy management. Do I have the mental, emotional, physical energy to keep growing through? Which is why I said it's not just in crisis. You could be offered a great opportunity. Let's say somebody came to you, Max, and said, we love your show so much, Max. We want to put this on an international distribution. And you have to create all of these programs. And you're saying, oh, my goodness, I got to do all that work. That's going to take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for Max. So, so we really need to look at this notion of energy management in the context of burnout. Yeah. Well, I think that's a very interesting point. And like you said, it begins with where's my responsibility for how I respond to adversity or opportunity, right? And that's right. really the, the question I have to choose for myself is how am I going to respond? What would you say to those right now that are experiencing a lot of stress in their lives? And as you mentioned, you know, there is a lot of stress right now. Um, and this book, I think, is very timely for that reason. What can people do that are listening today begin to be able to address some of that stress? Okay, the first thing I'm going to say is, and you and I had talked earlier about the power of words. Mm-hmm. The first thing I'm going to say is ask what it is you're telling yourself in the head. Mm. This creates our reality. Our brains create a reality. And let me tell you, my brain talks to me all the time. And if I were really smart, I'd tell it to shut up Mm. because it's telling me stuff that can get you down, spiral you down. And one of the first things, and this is, by the way, I'm speaking out loud to myself because I'm speaking out loud to you and all of your listeners, is to substitute the word have to for choose to. Every time I say, I have to do this. No, Eileen, you don't have to. You choose to. I didn't have to do this podcast with you. I'm choosing to do this podcast with you. Now, I can. there might be other choices. And so the really resilient person, the resilient entity is saying, how many different choices do I have? Now, I might not like all those choices, but if I begin to say, this is my choice, now I'm in control for what I'm getting right now. I am choosing to do this. So Eileen, do you choose to be miserable and sit in the corner and cry and moan because things aren't the way you want it? Well, I don't think I want to choose that. So Eileen, what's another choice that you can have? This sounds really small, Max, but words are so powerful. Yes, they sure are. And you know, it's funny because we actually live on a small farm for that reason, that I give my kids opportunities to work a lot. And so what I want them to know is that they're responsible for something more than just their own selves. And because of that, they also get to choose um, how they're going to improve and make better decisions. And we talk about choice all the time here. Fabulous. That's congratulations to you. You're light years ahead of most of us on this planet. Well, I don't, I just love that you said that. I just think what you just said was so beautiful because I think it's such an important piece, right? For all of us to learn. Yeah. 
that we have a choice, even when it doesn't seem like we have a choice. My son would say, dad, you don't give me a choice. I have to go feed the sheep. And I'm like, well, that's true. But your, your choice is you can feed the sheep and, and be happy, or you can feed the sheep and be angry. <laughs> that's true. And if you don't feed the sheep, what's the consequence? Because we don't get to do dinner until they're fed. Right. So, so there are consequences to our choices, right? That's right. That's right. And actually, if you chose not to feed the sheep, how do you think the sheep are going to feel? Yeah. Dear son? What's going to happen tomorrow morning when you walk out into that pasture? That's right. That's right. How are you going to feel about that? Mm-hmm. Knowing that you had the power to deny them food. Mm-hmm. Would that make your heart happy? Mm-hmm. Do you choose to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the big choices we have to make. Words really matter. Are. That words matter. matter. In fact, when this whole pandemic and the lockdown started, which was March 15th, Mm -hmm. um, about a week or so after that, I was asked to address a a group. Mm -hmm. Um, It ended up we had 700 people on the call max. Mm -hmm. They were they were convention planners um, meeting resorts from around the world. Mm -hmm. And I said, the first thing we have to get over is it's not about social distancing. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong word. Yeah. It's physical distancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we want is social connection. That's right. Very different. So, so what we see now is we we've had to pull back. What we yearn for is social connection. That's one of the powers I think of Zoom mm-hmm. is that we get to see each other. Which, frankly, in our regular business life, if everything were back the way it was, I probably don't see the guy who's got mm-hmm. the office two doors down. Now I get to see him. Mm-hmm. I get to see her. We are we are connecting socially, mm-hmm. but we're keeping physically distance. Yeah, it is a distinction. It is a big distinction, and I, I think you make that point very, very well. And it's such an important point that I hope our listeners can say, gosh, what are the words I'm using in my life? Yeah. What are the words I'm using in my life that probably aren't serving me that well? Um, sure. What are some words that could serve me better? Yeah. And, and that yeah. I'm in charge of how I want to respond, right? What, right? what other research did you find maybe surprising or interesting or that stood out for you as you were writing your book? Well, I think some of the research is, first off, the, the global reach of this. Yeah. When you begin to look at the statistics around the globe, mm-hmm. it, it's it's amazing. It was everywhere. Germany, there's even a theatrical production called Das Burnout. Wow. <laughs> I think it's a musical, actually. Wow. Das Burnout. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, the Japanese have a have a word for it, mm. which is death by overwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I would start to pick up some of the stories, uh, one was a young man who was in um, one of the brokerage houses in England mm. who basically died of overwork. Yeah. And so, so that was surprising to me. The other thing that was, I think, surprising was our unwillingness over the decades to even look at this mm-hmm. because when I would, when I would do my case studies and I talk to them, um, they're in an entity uh, in all cases, in all cases that I had, they were working with someone mm-hmm. and that that someone either didn't notice or didn't think it was their place to say, Hey, you got to go home now. You have just put in 12 hours, leave. You may not come back for the next two days. You go get rest. Um, So it was that we're we're responsible for ourselves. But if I have a team around me, I think I have a responsibility too 
for their well-being. That's right. And they will also mirror what I'm doing. So if I'm the person who's putting in the 15-hour days, Mm -hmm. the implication is I got to work as hard as the person who's managing me over here. Mm -hmm. So there's a great mutuality to it. And when I think about uh, what's in the book, I consider it like a DNA molecule. And you know, in a DNA molecule, it's intertwined. You see the different, almost like strands that go back and forth. Well, so we have what's happening in our personal life, mm-hmm. but it crosses over and it gets over there into our work, mm-hmm. our organizational life. And then it comes back again to the personal. So you it, it, it can't separate both of them. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when I say work, I'm not just saying what you do for a paycheck mm-hmm. because many of us, our work is at the home. Mm-hmm. We might not get paid for it. That's right. But it is the work. That's right. That's right. And there's a lot of work to be done in a lot of places that doesn't that doesn't get compensated very well when it comes to money. No, and and the other thing that I is in I don't think it's a surprise, mm-hmm. but I realized no one had ever talked about this mm-hmm. was that we have to step back and say what's this phase of my life? Yeah. And what is important to me now? Yeah. At this phase of my life. Yeah. So Max, are you a grandparent? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Where do you become a grandparent? I have a sister. I have a sister who's a grandparent. Okay. Yeah. That's a different phase of your life. Yeah. Are you caring for aging parents? Um. Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. They're, they're that's going to be fiercely a independent, which is really nice. Yep. And the reason I say that is, as we realize that I go through phases, what worked for me mm-hmm. fifteen years ago in this phase that I am of my life mm-hmm. is probably not going to work right now. That's right. That's right. And, and so, mm-hmm. and I'm, again, I'm speaking out loud to myself as I speak out loud to you and your listeners. Mm-hmm. I really do need the time to step back and say, Oh, wait a minute, Eileen, what is most important now? Mm-hmm. How do you choose? How do you choose to put together the work that you do and the life that you lead given the phase that you are now? Yeah given the phase that you're in now. Would you just repeat that for us one more time? Yes. Mm -hmm. How do you put together the work that you do Mm -hmm. and the life that you lead in the phase that you are living now? Thank you. Yeah, I I ask it a little bit differently, and I really like the way you just phrased that. I think that's great language for me to take and learn myself. I've I've often asked people, what is their definition of success? Mm. And do they spend their time working towards that purpose or that definition hmm. or where do they spend their time? Hmm. So if their definition of success is family, but they spend all their time at work, then where does it work? And I'm not saying that there, that isn't both and, yeah, but it certainly shouldn't be either or if those purposes are conflicting. Yeah, I think you're right. And what's interesting is that notion of success. I thought I had up here, I'm looking in my office right now around the walls. Yeah. I thought I had that quote, and I want to say it was from Oliver Wendell Holmes, who said, you know, my definition of success was I significant in the life of a child. Yeah. Beautiful. Which is an interesting one. And I'll, I'll say one thing that takes success maybe even a little bit different. Yeah. And it's what I think of as the fourth, the fourth skill of resiliency is alignment. And alignment is, am I living lined up with what is my greatest purpose? Beautiful. Why are you here, Max? Why are you here, Eileen? And I, that was another thing that might've been surprising to me is what I realized in this craziness 
what we really yearn for is, am I living a life of my why? Yeah. Yeah. And the alignment with that and your why is, is not, okay, I'm going to save the world from cancer. It's broader than that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm realizing that my why is contribution. And how I live that, and then what I do, why, how, and what. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I'm an agent for the Y Institute, which I became intrigued with a number of months ago. It said, mm -hmm. I need to understand more about this so I can help others. Mm -hmm. First, discover your why. Mm -hmm. And then how, do I, how does that show up in the world? Mm -hmm. And OPS, this is what I do. So for you and your show, even the name of your show, mm -hmm. I think gives an inclination mm -hmm of your why. And I'm guessing that your why is probably one of two things. It's either to, con it's either to contribute mm -hmm. or to make things better. For sure. For sure. And, and I think that the clarity around purpose mm -hmm. and living by principles enables mm -hmm. us to live a better life. I, I do believe so. I do too. I'm with you on that. You know, I asked my mom once, and I, I shared with you briefly, but my mom, she adopted eight kids. She's, I'm the oldest of five, then she adopted eight. And then she also fostered a hundred over 20 years. My mom and oh dad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So my mom and dad Have I read fostered. About you? Was your mom, were your mom and dad written up? <laughs> they, they should be. <laughs> They should be. They should be. This is a they, story. They, they did foster over 100 kids and, and they adopted eight. I have 13, 13 brothers and sisters, well, 12 brothers and sisters, including myself is 13, but, but we're from all around the world. And I always told my mom when it was really, really stressful, lots of kids coming in and out of our house. It was super, super stressful. I said, mom, you can't change the whole world. And I was frustrated, right? I'm the oldest kid. I'm, I'm a teenager. I was frustrated. I wanted time with my mom. I'm feeling down on myself because, you know, she's spending a lot of time with a lot of kids who need a lot of help. And I was jealous. I was frustrated. I was angry. And I said, mom, you can't save the whole world. And then I caught myself. Goodness. I've never been emotional on this show before till today, but I, I caught myself. Yeah. I caught myself and I said, but mom, don't stop trying. Don't yeah. stop trying. And my mom's never stopped. That's going to make me cry, Max. Mm, sorry about that. And you know what? <laughs> I think maybe now we need tears of compassion and kindness. We do. When you say that, you are recognizing that ability in your mom yeah. to be compassionate to reach out to children who do not have a family. That's right. And to hold them in. Right. And you have no idea what that one child and the right. circle of influence around that child will be. That's right. And what she's given to you. It, it changed all of our lives. It changed all of our lives for the better. For the yeah. better. I, we learned very quickly that we should complain less. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. Isn't it interesting about what we complain about? Isn't it? Yeah, and also you always say, wait a minute, I have got nothing to complain about. Seriously. Which gives, you ask, one of the questions you asked was, mm. what can people do? Yeah, please. I think one of the do's is to really begin to write a gratitude journal. Mm -hmm. I just believe in the power of gratitude so much. I do too. And what it does when you extend gratitude to somebody else, when you tell them that, yeah. it's, it's oh my goodness. But there's so much for us to be. I mean, if you wake up and you had a bed to sleep in, mm -hmm. 
I'm grateful for that bed to sleep in. Yeah. I'm grateful for this incredible husband that I've been married to for 40 years. Yeah. I am so grateful that I get to have this conversation with you. Yeah. I'm grateful for this person that I didn't even know until I, I went on to a, an interview thing he was doing and he told me how to get the right kind of microphone so that I could do this for you. Awesome. You didn't have to spend the time with me. Yeah. He went on Amazon. He showed me what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for Todd Staples is the guy's mm-hmm. name. I didn't know him from Sam's hat until we had this small interaction. So there's so much to be grateful for. So I would say if we look at our language, if we look at what we are grateful for, and then the other thing that I think is really powerful is to control the controllable. Yeah. You know, um, you, I mean, you provoked so many ideas and thoughts running through my head and just, I'm feeling so grateful for a good conversation today I'm I'm trying to recall the person's name, and I know listeners are going to say, Max, how come you forgot the name? It's silly. But the book, The Hiding Place, so chronicling the story of two young women who were in the Jewish concentration camps, the the, the Nazi concentration camps, right, I should right. say. The Jews were captured and, and being mistreated. But the beauty of the book and what she captures there, and I, I can, I, I'm seeing the two girls in my face standing in a concentration camp, and the one, the one, the one sister is saying, I don't know how we can continue. And her sister says, because there's fleas all over in the room and it's infested and it's terrible. And her sister looks at her and says, oh, please be grateful for the fleas. Lord, let's be grateful for the fleas. And later upon reflection, she said, we, we learned that the fleas actually kept the guards out of the room so we could have a Bible study. Whoa. And we, I learned to be grateful for the fleas. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I read this book with my kids. Wow. And we had this very deep conversation around what are we truly grateful for? And I can't even imagine. I think we need to help all of us in humanity to find that kindness, to find that compassion. We need to dig deeper. We need to be more purposeful in what we're exposing ourselves to. Right. You know, Max, I'm not familiar. Tell me the name again. The book is called The Hiding Place. The Hiding Place. Yes. And I apologize because our listeners are probably thinking, you know, come on, guys. But but um, I'm going to type no, it in real quick. You and I speak. both read so much. It just, you know, there's yeah. only so much this little brain Cor- can hold on to. Yeah, exactly. Her name is Corey Tenboom, And her, her, her sister's name was Betty. Now that I'm remembering, so The Hiding Place, but just an incredible documentary that she wrote after coming out of the concentration camps, writing her story and experience. Just amazing, amazing stories. Uh, Just grounded me to my my core. Well, when you say um, in the concentration camp, Victor Frankl, with his wonderful book, Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. And the line that always comes up is man man or woman, I'll add the or woman, can live with any what- if you have a why. Yes. When you lose your why, you lose your way. And he's also the one who inspired many of us to say, to enable liberty to occur, we also must have personal responsibility. Oh, I love that. And we have to have both. Yes. Yes. I can't say somebody else give me liberty. I have to say that. What, what part of that do I do I bear a responsibility for? And to, and to be able to sustain liberty, meaning we have to be able to be good civilians. We have to be good contributors. We have to be good citizens. We have to be good neighbors. Yeah. We have to be better. We have to elevate our game to aspire to a better future for all of us. 
That makes that makes my heart feel good because I think right now what we're seeing is a lot of the exact opposite. It's very hard. It's very hard. And the news right now is very distressing for so many. And there's a lot of suffering. A tremendous amount of suffering um, and, and confusion. And we won't even go into all the ways, but but to say, where is it that I am responsible for this? Um, it, it, to me, you know, part of it also goes, this sounds really silly, but here in Southern California, it was Labor Day. And as I drove down the road to go to the grocery store with my mask on, mm-hmm. here was the beach, just cramped with people, mm-hmm. no one wearing masks. Mm-hmm. That's not being responsible. That's being selfish. It's very, it's very, very complicated times right now. It, it, I mean, it's like saying, okay, you have the right to drive drunk and kill yourself or anybody else. There's laws against drunk driving. Mm-hmm. Why do we find it so difficult to think that there would be a request that you just cover your face and stay the appropriate distance so I don't catch anything from you and vice versa. Um, and that's not a political statement. It's a responsibility statement. We're just, we're praying for all of us to be able to come together, right? And to yeah. be thoughtful about how we treat each other, how we work together going forward. You know, I, to our listeners, I'm speaking with Eileen McDar and about her book, Burnout to Breakthrough, Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. And we're talking about, you know, what can we all do to get through very stressful times? Mm-hmm. Eileen, what would you recommend people do or what would you want them to remember from this conversation today? <laughs> oh, that's such a... Um, I'm... I'm going to walk away from this for a second. Okay. I'm going to pick out a bookmark that that I found the poem that I wrote. Okay. And we turned it into a bookmark. Great. I wrote it a long time ago, but I think it's where we say, how do you control the controllable? The only place of power that I have right now is right here with you, Max. Yeah. This, how do I create this now, this moment here? Yeah. So one second, I'm going to reach for it. Yep. And if you'll make sure that I have your snail mail, we'll make sure that you you get this. But I think it's interesting how things happen to you. And you probably see this too, where all of a sudden years later, you find something and go, whoa, that was really good. Wow. That's appropriate now. And that's what this is. It was a poem I wrote called In the Now. Because what I think I'd like the, the listeners to keep is that, you're all, you can't influence yesterday. It's gone. You can apologize, you can do, but it's gone. I cannot control what happens tomorrow, you know, to an every extent, whether it's what I buy, how I vote, but that's okay. But this is the place of power. Mm-hmm. The day is here upon us. Today is all we've got. The moment holds eternity, but all, all our minds are fraught uh, with thoughts we should have done. Mistakes of yesterday, recalling wrongs, reliving deeds, and words that went astray. Or else we go through motions while our thoughts zoom far ahead of things to do, of meetings hence, the possibilities we dread. We eat our food in hurry, we kiss our loves in haste. We blink at dawn, we glance at moon, there is no time to waste. 
Our calendar is crammed with future things we have to do. We make our list. We see the length. Our day is never through. And when each year is over, we dismay at all that's past. We shake our heads and wonder, how did time go by so fast? We cannot slow the march of time. And yet there is this plan. If we would live in present now, we'd find a peace at hand. Be present, fully present in each action that we do. Stay mindful, fully mindful of the life around us too. Let the future be the vision, but this moment counts and how. Eternity is in it. May we learn to live in now. Thank you. You're welcome. To all our listeners out there, I hope you've really enjoyed the show as I have. And uh, Eileen, thank you for being on the show. I'm grateful for all these opportunities to be able to lead and help and, and just encourage people to have new conversations in their life. And I hope we will all be more proactive in doing that. Yeah. And uh, Eileen, I, I appreciate your invitation for us to all do that today. Thank you, Max, for creating a space for me to make what I hope is some small contribution. I really appreciate that and, uh, and to live in that now. I would love to to um, stay connected and, and get a copy Please. of your poem. Thank you. Sure. When we're over, send me all the data in my email. That'll be great. That'll be great. To all of my listeners out there, thank you for listening and be safe, be wise, have a great week.